You are listening to the Your Shining Self podcast for women who need messages of hope, love, and transformation. And now your host, Tish. She's a story coach and book publishing mentor to inspirational authors and purpose-driven entrepreneurs who share their God-given gifts and life experiences through powerful stories that make an impact. Her clients want to tell their story and have a real impact on the world. They want to open doors to connect with people they feel called to serve. Since 2006, she's been helping entrepreneurs and organizations clarify, hone, and share their messages to inspire change. With more than 10 years of passionate experience helping storytellers go all the way from outlining to publication, she loves to speak, teach, and motivate entrepreneurs. You can find her online at inspirationalauthors.com, and she is also one of my co-authors in the Get Past Your Shit book. If you'd like to check that out, head on over to getpastyourshit.com. Welcome, Benicia Ponder. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. Thank you for joining me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to talk to your audience. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about learning to let my light shine. So Benicia, your story is going to take us back to 1999 and what was a normal morning, except for it didn't turn out to be a normal Monday morning. But before we dive into the meat of your story, can you set the stage for us? What's going on in your life at that point? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) A whole lot. So I was 20 years old. Uh, I was a new mom. My daughter was six months old. I was going to school full time. I was working full time and I had a lot going on. It was actually the the start of the new semester this this new semester for for my junior year in in college and I was just busy. I just remember having all of these plans, all of these things I wanted to do, all of this life I wanted to live, and I was determined to do it all. So my my calendars is pretty full. I look back at that and I'm like, wow, what did, what was I thinking? <laughs> like with all of that. But yeah, my life was pretty busy uh, during that time. So Benicia is also a co-author in the Get Past Your Shit book. And I'm laughing as you're, you know, talking about that because one line in the book says, determined not to let anything stop me from my desired success. So Benicia, let's dive into the story now. So here you are. It's what's, you know, supposed to be a normal Monday morning. You're in Atlanta traffic, Um, Except for that day, you said that there, you know, there wasn't as much traffic as there normally is. So dive into your story. What happens on this Monday? Yeah. So, you know, going back to that line, you said determined not to let anything stop me. I, I guess I was, when we talked about how busy I was, I was busy really because I had this whole idea of I'm a, I'm a single mom now back, back at that time, it was 20 years, 23 years ago now um because my daughter just turned 23 oh my gosh um but but I was determined like you know there was a whole stigma oh you're a single mom that means your life has to stop and all that so I was determined I didn't want to be a statistic I didn't want to be um someone who let their dreams go and so 
I was driving on that Monday morning, I was driving to a job that I really, really loved. Um, I had Real, I had risen to the top. I started out as a customer service person and I was now in a new position that they created for me to, to recruit other employees. So I was like in a HR type position. Now, mind you, I had no idea what I was doing, but they love my energy. They like what I was doing. And they said, well, we want you to go out and recruit for us. We want you to, to help. So I had my own, I was went from a cubicle to my own little office. There was actually no one else around me because it was a new department. And I was, I was, it was amazing. And so I was, I was excited. It was a great Monday on top of the world. I just remember feeling amazing. There was no traffic. Things were going good. And I was almost to the exit where I was getting off. And this just pain hit my head like out of nowhere. Like my whole body started to ache and it was excruciating. And I have no idea how I made it to the parking lot of the office. I I have no idea. God was just with me (laughs) as he always has been always is. Um, But when I got there, I just couldn't move. It took me about, I don't even know how long. I say 10, 15 minutes. It could have been longer than that. Um, But I climbed into the backseat of my car. Now people are coming to work and all of this. And so they're seeing me, they're like, what's going on? What's wrong? I was like, I just, I just can't, I can't right now. Um, And so I was in the backseat of my car. It was a Ford Escort. So really a little small car. And I don't even think they make them anymore, but <laughs> um, I was, I was crawled up in the backseat of the car and a coworker actually had to drive me home because I, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't drive. And so that was a day I, before and after, like that day was like the, the line of demarcation <laughs> um, of my life because before I was moving forward and could see very clearly and then after that day, everything shifted and I had to re- really adjust to a new new normal. Right. So Benicia, what happens after, you know, that coworker gets you home? Um, do you go in and see a doctor? Like what's going on? So yes, I, I, I got home and I, I didn't know what was, was wrong. So I went to, uh, to urgent care and they they said okay well we'll give you these things and you'll be okay um and so it wasn't okay by the next day so I went to the doctor's office again and they said we'll we'll do some tests and things like that I literally for the next three months was in the doctor's office every other day every day it seemed like and I had so many tests run. I um, they did CAT scans, they did MRIs, they did blood tests. They were taking blood for me every single day, and I was like, well, "Where are you? All, what are you all doing with this blood? Like, what are you all doing with this?" Um, but it was every day they were taking blood, they were running tests, and everything was normal except the fact that I had nonstop migraines and body aches. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, and it was just agonizing. Um, and so during this time, being, I was in the doctor's office. They they knew me by, by every time I walked in. I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, it was just like a family kind of thing after a while there. But one day I walked in and, I, and I'm just noticing something was happening with my eyes. And I told my, my physician, I said, hey, you know, I, something's going on here. And she did this little test where she put her finger up in front of my, my face and she 
asked me to follow her finger with my with my eyes. And I could do that. I could track her very well. And she's like, well, no, no, you're fine. Your, your eyes are fine. And so they did some more blood work. They did some more tests and I went home. The next day I was back in her office and I said, Hey, something is really happening. I, I really, I can see, but I can't see. And that's what I told her. I can see, but I, I can't see. And so she wrote me a referral to an ophthalmologist. The next day I was at that ophthalmologist's office and he gave me some kind of book or something. I have no idea what it was to this day, but whatever he wanted me to see, I, I did not see. And he said, oh yeah, something is wrong. Something's happening here. And he sent me to a neuro-ophthalmologist in the same building. And so that same day I went to see a neuro-ophthalmologist and she looked at me, she asked me some questions and she was like, oh yeah, I know what's happening here. And I was like, are you sure? Because it's been three months and nobody's known. known. <laughs> right. um, but she said, yeah. She said, I think this is um, a pseudo brain tumor. And a pseudo brain tumor is a buildup of spinal fluid pressure. So it's called pseudo tumor cerebri. And it's a buildup of spinal fluid pressure. And so she, she sent me for a spinal tap. And I had the spinal tap. And normally your spinal fluid is supposed to flow evenly. But mine squirted out and it actually hit the person who was doing the procedure. Oh and it turned out that my spinal fluid pressure was 10 times what it was supposed to be. And once they did that procedure and it regulated the flow of my spinal um, fluid pressure, everything, like the migraine stopped instantly. And I, I honestly have not had a migraine like that ever since then. Wow. Um, so it regulated instantly, but the buildup of that spinal fluid pressure had been building up for so long that it damaged my optic nerves. And so at that point I was like, okay, well maybe this, this okay, that was fixed. Now let's fix my optic nerve. And apparently the optic you know, the optic nerves are one of the only parts of the body that don't naturally regenerate. Mm-hmm. It's what I'm told. And so we did some, um, we did some surgeries, some surgeries were done on both eyes to, to kind of stimulate the optic nerves, but um, n- no luck. So since that time, and that was March of 1999. Um, Since that time, I haven't been able to see clearly more than a few inches in front of my face. And so that that ordeal led to me being visually impaired. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that, Benicia. So take us back to, um, you know, here you are 20, you have a new baby, you like, before this happened, you're on top of the world, you know, you're Um, moving up quickly in this company. And now all of a sudden they finally figure out, you know, what's causing like the migraines that gets, you know, fixed, but what, like, what are you feeling when you realize that, wow, my eyesight's not coming back and it's not going to be fixed. Take us to, you know, like, like, what are you feeling when, when you realize that? Um, I felt two different things. So at first I felt like, okay, God, what are you doing? Why, why is this happening to me? Um, and I, I had, you know, pity parties, temper tantrums, all of those kind of things. But the crazy thing about that was that I had no one around me who would come to my pity parties. I would, ha- I had no one around me who would let me wallow in that. 
And so very quickly, I had to make a decision. Like, am I going to stay here and just continue to be so- feeling sorry for myself? Or am I going to figure out how to live? And so I went way on the other side of, okay, this is not going to stop me. I'm not going to let this deter me. And so I bounced back fairly quickly. I, you know, I, I went to a place here in Atlanta called the Center for the Visually Impaired to get uh, some help with learning how to navigate and things of that nature. But I think my youth and just my bravado at that time was, okay, I could do anything I want to do. I'm one time, you know, I could still do anything I want to do. And so I, I, I rushed through the process of getting back on my feet. I, you know, I, I, I knew, I knew enough to know, Hey, you know, I can, I can do different things. And so I was computer savvy to a certain extent. I, um, you know, was, I understood uh, about a lot of different things. So I, I felt like I was smart enough to, to figure this out. And so I went back to finish my undergrad. And looking mm-hmm. back, I realized that I was in this hyper achievement mode because I didn't want anybody to think that I was less than or that I couldn't do it because I was visually impaired. So I, I stepped up and became even more of an overachiever. Um, so I went back to Georgia State. Well, I went to Georgia State to finish up my my undergrad, and I ended up doing a double major and doing all the internships, doing all the programs, just doing everything, like all the stuff, right? Um, and then I went to law school and did that. And so it became me trying to outperform this thing that had happened to me. Like I I didn't want this to be seen as a limitation or liability. I didn't want people to look at me and say, oh, poor Benicia. Oh, let's help her. You know, let's feel sorry for her. I didn't want anybody to say that. I didn't even want people to know about um, me being visually impaired. So I don't, I didn't talk about it. I, I just made do. If I couldn't see something, I either used a magnifier or I blew it up or I pretended like I could see it, um, whatever. But I, I just made do hiding that part because um, I just felt like I just needed to, to be successful. And the only way for me to be successful was to not let people know I had this deficiency. So, you know, here you are, you're dealing with this and now you're, you know, going to law school. So what happens? Do you complete law school? Do you start practicing law? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I went to law school because I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Uh, my sister was in law school and, and I was like, hey, if she could do it, I could do it too. And I was like, I'm smart enough to do that. So I went, I did go to law school. It was three years full time in law school, passed the bar the first time, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, but I can remember being sworn in as an attorney and I was sitting in front of the judge and had my hand raised. Whatever I was saying, I have no idea. But all that was running through my mind was, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Wow. I knew I didn't want to do it. I knew there was something else I wanted to do. I didn't know what that something else was. But I knew I didn't want to practice law. It just didn't fire me up. But I took the I um, took the oath, got sworn in as an attorney, and I started working with small businesses, nonprofits. 
helping them to really start and grow their businesses. And I did a lot of grant proposals. I did a lot of business plans, a lot of contracts, a lot of start, you know, entity startups, nonprofit startups. I did a lot of that. Some of that was legal, some of legal work. Some of that was just business consulting work. But I really worked with with people who had purpose and passion and really wanted to to get out into the world to make a difference. And as I worked with these people and helping them to to grow and helping them to share their message and getting money to fund their messages, um, I started to feel once again, like, hey, like, what is it that you want to do? How do you want to share? And I, I remember going to this event that um, this guy was there. He was like a motivational speaker or whatever. His message was, it's not impossible because I'm possible. So he turned the word impossible to I'm possible. And I was like, ooh, I like that. That's and good. Then, yeah, right? And I even bought a shirt. That's how, that's how. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's still on that shirt to this day. Um, but that's how uh, how enthralled I was with his message. And I, after that, I just like, well, what's possible for me? What's possible for me? And I, I just started to think about all the things I wanted to do uh, um, and what really fired me up. And so... I decided I wasn't going to practice law anymore. I was going to go straight into coaching and speaking and writing and all these things that that really lit me up. And so that's what I did. <laughs> right into that. And I don't, you know, for, for people who are listening and you're thinking, oh, I want to follow my passion. I want to follow my purpose. I, I recommend taking a, a more a steady approach to it or planning it out before you do it. I didn't do that. I just jumped into it. And um, thank God I have a very strong family support system and and, um, people who care about me and love to support me and those kind of things because I had no safety net. I I just leaped. And it was a good decision. It was a hard, it was rocky road, (laughs) definitely. But I found myself now in a place where I was helping people and I was still doing some of the same things I was doing as an attorney. But I felt freer to to really dive into helping not just the business side, but also the personal side. So I became a certified personal and executive coach to to learn how to navigate people through some of those obstacles that that stopped them from really fulfilling their purpose and going after their passion. And so I, I married both the, the personal and the professional side, the, the business side, all of those came together. And I, I was loving what I was doing. So I, I transitioned from, from work that was, I was okay at, I was good at it. I would say I was good at it, um, but transitioned that to work that I really love to do. That's so amazing. And I've been blessed to meet you in person. I've been able to hang out with you a couple of times in person. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm always just so blown away that not once when I have been around you, have you ever let like your vision, you know, not being able to see things clearly, you've never let it stop you from doing anything every time I've been with you. And I just, I admire that so much because I mean, obviously I can't speak of other people. I can only speak of myself, but you know, like I sit here and I'm like, gosh, if I was in her shoes, I mean, I don't want to say that I would like still be like sitting and wallowing, you know, 20 some years later, but I cannot imagine that I would have had like the drive and the motivation 
to just do everything that you've done, Benicio. Like, I just, I really think like, you're just amazing and just so inspirational. And what I want to, you know, kind of like circle to now is exactly what you're doing. Like you're helping other people let their light shine and tell their stories to inspire others. And I know that you're actually, you're working on a book project um, kind of similar to what we did, what Kelly did with the Get Past Your Shit book that we're both in. So mm-hmm. will you tell us a little bit about that and how did you come to the, the ugh, oh my goodness, to the decision <laughs> to put this book project together? Because I find it really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. So in that in that book where we were in the Get Past Your Ship book, um, I, I talked about the fact that one of the things that I really regret about my entire journey from, from the time I became visually impaired to, to really recently is that I didn't allow the visual impairment to be a part of the journey. I, I had good success. I fulfilled what I wanted to fulfill, but there were times when I felt like I was wearing a mask. Like I wasn't showing people who I really was. And I, I can only imagine how many people I missed out on inspiring or helping to realize they aren't alone in this by hiding what I was going through or the challenges I had. I was really good at sharing successes. I was really good at sharing inspiration and and helping others, encouraging others, but I wasn't so good at showing where I was struggling, showing the challenges I had to overcome. And during that experience of get past your shit, I I realized that, well, not, not, not at that point, but <laughs> sharing that, um, cause I realized it a little bit before, but what, one of the things I did realize writing it out is that a big part of what I do is not just inspiring people who have everything together. It's inspiring those people who feel like they've messed up their life so bad that it's so messy that it, it, it's just not able to do anything right. They, they don't feel perfect. They don't feel all put together. They don't feel as if what they've been through can help someone else. And I feel like I'm called to those people, those people who have mistakes, have flaws, who aren't perfect, but are willing to stand in those imperfections and really be a light to someone else. And I found that the more you're able to share all of it. Because yes, people do want us to hear how you're successful. They want to hear about how you are doing great things, but they also want to hear the real story. They also want to hear what's behind that success. If we were looking at a movie and um and and the guy went a guy wins the lottery and he wins a million dollars and he lives happily ever after that's going to be a really boring movie or you're reading a book and someone had to move across the country to find a new job or or they've had this devastating thing happen to them but they live happily ever after oh you're like okay well that's nice that's cool but you really want to know more and so I love helping people to to show the behind the scenes, like what happened that led you to build a strength, the character, the determination to have this success? How did you survive and how did you thrive even when you have your challenges? And so during the process of being a part of the Get Past Your Shit project, 
I I was re-inspired to do something that I put on the back burner for a long time, which is to bring people together who have stories to tell and use those stories to uplift and inspire others. And so that's where the Inspirational Devotionals Project came from. And I hope this is going to be the first of many. <laughs> I have so many ideas about different, different things to share, but it is my um, desire to bring together inspirational storytellers, messengers who have powerful stories to share and help them to use those stories to heal, to transform, to create breakthroughs, to really change lives. And I, you know, I love the the whole idea of letting your light shine. I love your shining, you know, my shining self. I, I love the shine aspect of it because that's what we do when we share our stories. We let our lights shine. And and when we do that, we bring other people out of darkness. We we help yes. them to, to move forward. So I'm excited about just this project I'm excited about what's happening the the authors that are coming and also the people that are going to be served I see this as I I just see this as an amazing project because the authors who are going to be a part of um, the book are going to be able to let their light shine they're going to to be able to have a greater reach they're going to be able to get their message out to a larger audience. And then the people who are reading the book are going to experience that light. And my my just my vision, what I see for this is that they will then know, hey, I can do this too. I can, I can accomplish these things too. My past, my mess doesn't have to stop me. And now I can let my light shine. So I just see all of these lights just coming on. I mean, that's the vision in my head, just all of these lights just coming on. And it, it gets me excited every time. <laughs> I love it. And I love, you know, that you're bringing these people together because um, like the way that I look at, you know, myself now is I was once a mess. Now I'm a message. Like my yes. past does not define me. It mm-hmm. It's part of my journey of becoming the woman that I am today. And I remember, you know, looking back, um, I'm an alcoholic. People that have been listening or that know me personally or in like my business circles, they all know that. And I used to look at that with so much shame and embarrassment and just like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm just a complete mess. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and now like that has been really powerful since I've started sharing that story of, you know, I'm now sober for a little over seven years and Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, when we do start to share our story, it's an invitation for others. Like you said, Benicia to come out of darkness, because Mm -hmm. I started sharing that story And, um, you know, I remember being at a business event and a lady pulled me aside and she was just chatting with me about somebody in her family that's an active alcoholic. And it was all because I became brave and willing to step Mm -hmm. into my authentic self and realize that, yeah, I was a mess back in the very beginning of, you know, my alcoholism and trying to get sober. But now that I've you know, been willing to share that story. Like that was an invitation for her that I was a safe person for her to come talk to because she didn't have anywhere else to turn. And, you know, sometimes when I get like 
ugh, nasty hate comments because in this day and age of social media and internet, you know, there's a lot of trolls out there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get like hateful comments and like get down on myself and then I turn around and I get, you know, another comment from somebody that I, you know, I love what you're doing. Thank you for sharing your story. That just reminds me that this is exactly why I do it because every time I share my story and share something, and I've recently been struggling with wanting to drink and I was very mm-hmm. open on social media and that has just been an invitation for people to like step in and kind of like rally around me. And like, I don't even know where I'm going with this thought, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's just so important that we do share our stories because like you said, Benicia, you know, through all of this, not like being really, not that you weren't open about the visual impairment, but just not sharing that. Like, yeah. How many people did you miss out on you being kind of like their lifeline of hope? So yeah, I just, I, I love what you're doing. I can't wait until the book project is done because I will be buying a book and I'm excited to read everybody's stories. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that is so amazing. And what it brings up, Tish, is that, you know, you don't have like you don't have to be perfect the whole journey. <laughs> you don't, you know, you don't have to have everything all together. You can you can thrive even when you are um struggling. Yes. And the fact that you're open and willing to share, I, I truly believe it takes the power away from the enemy. And I it it takes the power away from the situation that threatens to destroy you Um, when, because a lot of times what happens is we get into a place where we, we just focus on, oh man, I messed up. I messed up. I messed up. And that becomes so much bigger than what God is calling us to do. And I just, I just know that when we can focus on our purpose, we can focus on the others. Because here's the thing, our stories, our journeys, our, our experiences are not necessarily about us. I believe that we go through those things to help other people. Like we are in these situations and they can be used to, to I, I posted today, I, I posted um, right before the, right before this interview, actually, um, you know, take what tried to destroy you and use it to save someone else, you know? We can, we can turn, yeah, we can use our mess, our past, you know, our struggles, that divorce, that, that bankruptcy, the job loss, you know, losing everything. We could take that and we could even, we could either allow it to make us bitter or we can use it to make someone else better. And I, I want to make someone else better. I don't want to live a bitter life. I want to make someone else better. And, and so yeah, just just everything that you're doing, Tish, with with this platform, helping people to recognize that you don't have to look a certain way, you don't have to sound a certain way. Um, just being who you are is enough, and you can shine just just as you are. I I, I just I could talk about that for hours and hours and days and days. Of, like, I know. I feel like we could keep talking all day, Benicia. Oh my gosh. Yes. 
Um, and that's exactly like, that's what I love about my podcast is because it's all about bringing women on to share their stories because, well, th- my tagline is sharing stories of hope, love, and transformation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. So <clears throat> that's what I love, you know, about my platform is just being able to let those women share their stories and like you're doing, you know, with the book project, um, my platform does not have a huge audience, but when women do come to share their stories, they're getting in front of like a new audience and, you know, excuse me, who knows who they're going to reach, who knows who your story is going to reach, you know, today when somebody's listening, Benicia. So that's why I do what I do. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Benicia, this has been just an amazing conversation. And like I said, and you said, I feel like we could talk, you know, all day. Um, but I want to, you know, kind of wrap things up just to be respectful of our time and the listener's time. So you can find Benicia online at inspirationalauthors.com. Benicia, to wrap things up, is there one, I don't know, a quote, a favorite book, one piece of advice, something that you want to leave the listeners with today? Oh, I, my favorite scripture is in Matthew, where Jesus says, that you are the light of the world. And he goes on to say that you don't light a lamp and then hide it, but you put it on a lampstand and allow it to shine and brighten the entire room. And so what I want to leave the listeners with today is that you are the light of the world. And the light that you have, the light that you've been given was given to you so that you can shine. And I encourage you, I invite you, I challenge you to let your light shine in this world. And when you do that, you are going to bring hope, healing, breakthrough, and transformation in the lives of others. And you are going to be an amazing impact and influence um, and inspiration. So let your light shine. Yes. Preach it, sister. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Benicia. I so appreciate everything that you have shared today. Thank you for joining me and sharing your story. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Your Shining Self podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, and share with others that need a message of hope, love, and transformation.